Well, we're glad you're here today. This is a, a really important day for us. We're going to talk about a topic that affects uh, all of our lives in one way, shape, fashion, or form, this idea of really parenting. And so all of us, uh, you, you've had parents, you have parents, you are a parent, you are a, a grandparent, or maybe one day you, you hope to be a parent. And so we're going to really see what God's Word has to say about that because we're studying through the book of Proverbs. And Proverbs is wisdom literature. And and really, wisdom is really the ability to, to answer the questions of life with the truth of God's Word. And that's really what God wants to do in our lives. And so we're really going to look at that as it relates to parenting. But we're even going to go a little bit uh, deeper and focus on one facet of parenting. There's so much that we could say today about parenting, but we're going to focus on one facet, just discipline. And so why this is important, even if you don't have kids today, I think you'll learn some things because it's one of the things that God is doing in our life. He's disciplining us. If we're his children, he disciplines us because he loves us and, and wants to see us grow in our relationships. I think there's a, something for everybody here today, but certainly uh, if you have children and, and small children, perhaps this could be super helpful. I wish... I wish that I would have, have heard these principles, and they aren't original with me. I wish I'd have heard these principles 25 years ago. And my boys wish I'd have heard these principles 25 years ago. I'll, I'll say that. And let me just go ahead and, and unapologetically say, it, this may seem a little bit more like a seminar than a sermon today, so I'm, I'm, I'm sorry about that, but there's a lot of information that we want to try to look at. And also, we have something that we're doing now every single Saturday morning. It's on our website. It's called Dad You. And we just have some information for dads on all kinds of different topics. And so you can go and take a, a listen uh, to those or watch those about 20 minutes each. You can catch one on your ride into work, and that might help you. I just want to make you aware of that. Uh, Sandra Stanley uh, said this. It's a pretty interesting statement as it relates to, to parenting. She said, in parenting, the, the days are long, but the years are short. That's pretty true, isn't it? If you're a mom and dad, I mean, there are long days, but then you wake up one day and they're gone, and the years are are pretty short, and it's, uh, it's really easy uh, as a parent uh, to be discouraged or disappointed and feel like, man, I just did not do this well. Just about every parent that I know thinks, man, I, I could have done so much better in, in certain areas. And so there's a sense to carry a lot of guilt and shame, and none of us are going to do this thing perfectly. That's why we need God's grace and God's mercy uh, in our life. I've said this all weekend long, and people have not really seen the point in it, but you, you think about the first family, Adam and Eve, and they had two boys and, and in a terrible way. I mean, one kills the other, so you see how devastating and difficult it, be and, and it can be. And so in those really tough moments as a dad, I can look back and say, I, I have two boys. Amy and I have two boys, and they haven't killed each other yet. So at some point you feel like, you know what, we're doing a little bit better than Adam and Eve. So it, it's a, it is a challenge. There's no question about that. Um, one of the things I want to say really fast is for a number of years, and it was uh, for Amy and I, some of the really greatest years in our life, we, we worked with middle school students, high school students, and college students. And, and so we just had a chance to just meet a lot of parents along the way, just a lot of parents. And, and we kind of found ourselves trying to study parents because that was really before the internet in many ways. So you, you had to actually talk to people. And, and so we were... Um, we just wanted to meet uh, good parents, have them over in our home, and kind of learn some stuff uh, from them. So uh, we have on our website, if you could go to um, on our website for today's message, just click on sermon. If you're watching online, it's pretty easy for you to do that even uh, right now. 
And if you'll click on the sermon notes, we have the really 10 characteristics of great parents. Now, these aren't perfect. I'm not going to cover them today, but we have them all printed out there. And all that is is just over the years, some things that I've seen in parents that I thought really did a really good job. And so I just listed those 10 things out. You might find that helpful or or maybe not. But one of those that's on the list that has always helped me throughout the years is the the really some of the best parents uh, uh, that I know had fewer rules in their, in their home, but they were just quite serious about the few rules that they had. But one of the things that they, they always knew, and this principle stuck with me throughout the years, that anytime you have a rule without a healthy relationship, you will always get rebellion. You know, a lot of times we wonder, where, do, where does rebellion come from, come from in the life of a, of a child? Well, one of the things is just having a bunch of rules without having a healthy relationship, it'll equal rebellion. So there's about 10 of those uh, on the website if you want to take a, a look at those then I'd encourage you to do that. But if you have your Bible, let's go ahead and jump in today, and we're going to talk about the art of discipline. And some of the things I'll say uh, today you may disagree with, but that's going to be uh, helpful for us just to kind of wrestle with some of these thoughts. And hopefully at the end of the day, uh, we'll come out of here uh, better parents, better grandparents, or as we think about future parents for college students. This is, a, this is important stuff. Take a look at Proverbs chapter 19, verse 18, which is where we'll be. And some of you might say, well, why are you taking so much time one whole Sunday just to deal with parenting when many of us aren't even parents. Well, we're studying through the book of Proverbs, and you cannot study the book of Proverbs and not stop and take a look at all that it has to say about parenting because that's a major theme in the book of Proverbs. So that's why, that's why we're doing that today. Well, let's take a look at Proverbs 19, verse 18. It'll be kind of a, an, an anchor text that we'll kind of jump off from here today. But Solomon says, discipline, we're going to talk about that, discipline your children, for in that there is hope. Right, because discipline done right, and, and listen, I have done discipline wrong in my life over and over again, but discipline done right really is super hopeful uh, for children. And then this, this last warning on this verse is pretty powerful. It says, do not be a willing party to their death. So if we don't understand the art of discipline, if we don't do that um, really the way that God calls us to do, then, then we're just playing a part in spiritual death in the life of our children. So this is a, this is a passage that really gets my attention. So here's what I want to do for the next few moments. We're just going to take a look at the art of discipline, and we're going to see some facets of it, and, and I hope it's helpful. And then we're going to close uh, the message with, a pretty pra- I hope, a practical illustration that can kind of bring some of this together. But here's the first thing. We'll look at five things just pretty quickly today. Make discipline a teaching moment more than a punishing moment. Because I think many times we confuse some terms. I think there's three terms that are, we kind of use them interchangeably, but they really have different meanings. Uh, Correction, punishment, and discipline. Now, they're different. So correction is really kind of correcting childish behavior, you see, and we have to do that as as a parent. Um, Punishment really deals with past mistakes and really uh, allowing a child to experience even some of the consequences uh, of that. And, but punishment tends to deal with past stuff, whereas discipline really focuses on the future. In other words, using this moment where there's been a mistake and using that as a real teaching moment to really uh, bring about change in a child's life. So let's think about this. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 4 makes this point in the New Testament in a really cool way. Fathers, do not exasperate your children. So what, what I have found as a parent, when I haven't done discipline the right way, it's led to exasperation 
uh, with my children uh, instead of really a, a growth opportunity. So fathers, don't exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. I love this passage because really what it's saying, and this is so true, whenever uh, there is a behavior that needs to be addressed, it is an incredible teaching and training moment. And that will be true in your relationship with the Lord, not just as a parent. Anytime really there's a mistake in our life and we step out of God's will, there is some real teaching that God wants to do, some discipline that God wants to do. It'll be some of the greatest lessons in your life. And so I think that's important as a parent. Whenever there's something that needs to be dealt with, here's the goal. Let's make this more of a teaching moment than a punishing moment. And, and at the heart of discipline really should be discipleship. And that, that's really what I'm saying because that's what discipleship is, is that's growing in an understanding of the nature of Christ, how to apply the truth of God's Word in every facet of my life. And, and Christianity has gotten, has gotten kind of fuzzy in our culture today because like most everybody in the South would identify as a Christian or many people in the South would identify as a Christian, but we really doesn't, don't really know what that means. Well, one of the things that it means if we are a Christian or a follower of Christ, it means this, that we want to be a part of making disciples. That's really uh, the last thing that Jesus says in this great commission, that we are to, to, to go and make disciples of all nations. And so parenting is this first and great opportunity to make disciples right there in your home. That's where real discipleship starts, right in your home. And so we think about this in raising parent, uh, raising kids. We want to make sure that they have all these experiences, right? So many experiences in life, but we really miss the most important part of parenting, and that is discipleship. Like it's not how many trips you make to Disney, but did you really make disciples as a parent, right? And since I mentioned Disney World, I'm not anti-Disney World, but Disney World is a great laboratory for discipline. If you want to go to Disney World, you will see more kids spanked, beaten, punished at Disney World in the first 30 minutes of your trip there than any place on, on earth. Just, just try me. You'll, you'll, you'll see that. So the first thing as we think about the art of discipline is make discipline a teaching moment more than a punishing moment. Number two, this is super important. Like some of you that are watching online now, you just turn your volume down on your TV. But if you don't get this, none of this really is going to make a ton of sense. We need to make honor a priority in, in our home, right? We need to make honor a real priority in our home. Why is that? Because that's what Scripture tells us to do. In fact, in the Ten Commandments, I mean the Big, big Ten, uh, here's what we see. The Fifth Commandment says to honor your father and mother so that you may live long in the land your, the Lord your God is giving you. Now watch this. We need to ask a couple things. What does it mean to honor? To honor means to place a high value on another person. To honor means to put a person's, a person's needs ahead of your own. This is going to be key to any great relationship that you're going to have in your life. But watch this. This is the only commandment. Isn't this interesting to think about for just a moment? Isn't this interesting? It's the only ten commandment, uh, only of the commandments that has a promise associated with it, a length of life. And so what is that saying? In all of our homes, one of the things that we need to prioritize, one of the things that we need to prioritize is that we would have honor in our home, uh, that we would put another person's needs ahead of our own. Paul says it this way in Romans chapter 12, verse 10. Listen to this verse. It's a great one. Be devoted to one another, right? In love, honor one another above yourself. That, that's really what it means to, to, to honor, to put another person's needs ahead of your own. And honor doesn't come naturally. Is that true for you? It isn't natural for us to put another person's needs ahead of our own. What comes natural to us is to put our needs 
uh, first, right? Does that make sense? That's really a product of just our sin nature to think about ourselves first. But honor does just the opposite. Honor puts another person's needs ahead of your uh, ahead of, of yours. And now here's the thing: one of the one of the keys. You you, you can't just do this, right? You you can do it for a little while, but it won't really won't stick. I think when honor becomes a high value is this: when you really understand the essence of the gospel, and that's what Jesus has done for you when He stepped out of heaven and sacrificed His life and put your needs ahead of His own, and even went to a cross. And you realize. That's what honor looks like. And so because Christ has honored us in that way, then we honor others. You see, we, we tried to teach our boys this principle just to have an I'm third mindset, God first, others second, and really themselves third. Now, as it relates to marriage, let me just say this about marriage or any great relationship, but, but marriage specifically, marriage, if marriage is going to be good, a marriage needs to be a submission competition. Like you should be fighting each other on, on putting each other, both of you putting each other's needs ahead of, ahead of your own. Great marriages, it's really a race to the back of a line that we're always trying on a daily basis to honor the other person, right? To put their needs ahead of our own. And when that happens in a family with siblings, with moms and, moms and dads, listen, it is just, an, it can be an amazing, amazing thing. Now, let me say this because it's kind of difficult to hear. But I want you to think about the highest value for most of us as a parent is obedience for our children. Does that make sense? What do we really want? We want to raise obedient children. But I want to to introduce something else, and I don't think that's the highest value in relationships because all great relationships, if, if you show me a great relationship, at the heart of what makes that relationship great will be honor. Like, Honor, not obedience, is at the heart of all great relationships. And, and in fact, if you go to a couple and they have a great marriage and you say to, to her, to the wife, you say, man, what makes your marriage tick? And she says, he obeys. And like, he is super obedient. And that's really the key to our relationship. That's just weird, isn't it? Right? I mean, that's like a really weird thing. Right? Or if you say, man, just, your kids are awesome. Yeah, little soldiers. They're obedient. And you're like, hmm. That's kind of tough. See, that's contract relationship versus covenant relationship. Those are big difference. You know, one's kind of focused on the law. The other is focused and motivated by faith and, and love. And so we want, we want to have the other because here's the thing. If you don't have honor in your home, let me say this. If honor isn't a centerpiece in your home, you'll never be able to have enough rules. Does that make sense? You'll never have enough rules because you can't come up with enough rules if honor isn't there. But if honor is a centerpiece in your home and in your relationships, you really don't have to have that many rules because we're constantly putting another person ahead of our own. So we want to make our home, uh, honor uh, becomes a priority in our home. Number three, this is where it gets, I think, more and more practical. Make sure dishonoring behavior is met with discipline. Like, Okay, so this is what I hear from parents all the time. Which battle do we fight? Like, we, which, which behaviors do we really discipline? I mean, which hill do we die on? I hear it said in so many ways. And so I think dishonoring behavior, because we value honor in our home, those are the ones that we discipline. But here's the question. What is dishonoring behavior? So I would say it this way. It's a starting place. Dishonoring behavior would be dishonesty. Do you think that's dishonoring? You're not playing along. Dishonesty, disrespect, and disobedience. Those are the, the big three. They're also alliterated. Preachers love that. Right? You don't care, but like when a preacher does that, we think winning. That's awesome. Right? So dishonoring behavior, I would say dishonor, when you see when you see dishonesty, when you see disrespect, when you see disobedience, those are behaviors that we need to, we need to discipline. All right? So listen to what Proverbs 2020 20 says. This is a tough verse, but I want to connect it to what we've talked about. If one curses his father or mother, 
Well, let's just stop there. If a child curses his father or mother, would we agree that that's dishonoring behavior? That's disrespectful. That's one of the big three, right? So, okay. So if one curses his father or mother, his lamp will be put out into utter darkness. And you're like, whoa, Solomon, that's really intense. What are you saying? Well, he's, he's really, I think, in many ways reverting back to the fifth commandment that says if we are to honor our father and mother so that we'll have long days. Solomon's just saying if you do that in reverse, if there is no honor with, with your parents, right, then the opposite is true. It really limits our life. So that, that gets our attention in a powerful way. Now, here's where it's about to get real. Because you're thinking, you know, everybody in this room, we kind of have different beliefs about discipline and how we discipline, okay? And so some of you kind of grew up in a home where it was really intense and that's kind of what you do. And others of you, you just, you just totally look down on anybody if they were ever to spank their child. And in fact, you've called people out in restaurants and about that and police have been called. But anyhow, uh, Let's take a look at this verse. Proverbs 13, verse 24. Whoever spares the rod hates their children. Now, we, 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 you, hear, you hear this verse all the time said really the wrong way. People say, whoever spares the rod spoils the child. That's not exactly what the Scripture says. That comes from an old English poem. But anyway, whoever spares the rod hates their children, but the one who loves their children is careful to discipline them. I love that word, careful to discipline them. Let, let's push in on this idea of the rod of discipline. Because I haven't asked any of the other services. Let's just do this. is my fourth time to preach this message. I'm, I'm tired of hearing it. You guys are going to have to help me a little bit, right? Come on. When you think about the rod of discipline, the first thing that comes to your mind is what? Spanking? Yeah, that's kind of the first thing that comes to our mind. But I think it's important that we really do a word study on this and see the times that this word is used in the Scripture and, and see the different meanings because it's used multiple ways inside inside the Old Testament. Uh, number one, the rod is used as a, as a measuring stick. Nehemiah uses it as a measuring stick for the walls in and around Jerusalem because he wants them to be to this uh, precise measurement that God has to protect the city of Jerusalem. So when Nehemiah is rebuilding the walls, he measures those walls with a rod. And so I would say the rod of discipline, one of the ways that we can understand that is making sure our children know God's standard for their life. Does that make sense? Making sure they understand the standard. And uh, my buddy Greg said this Thursday night. It was super funny. He said, my dad used that rod of discipline as a measuring stick. And I was like, oh, cool. He, he measured how high he lifted me up off the ground when he spanked me. So it was a, <laughs> that was not exactly what we're talking about. Anyways, funny nonetheless. But, but second, you know this in the 23rd Psalm. Many of you, probably if you grew up in church, you know the 23rd Psalm. It says about the rod, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Like... That wasn't really the way the rod of discipline was. It wasn't so comforting right, at times in my home. But, but, but here's the thing. The, the second way is we see this word used is, is for shepherds. Shepherds would use a, a, a rod or staff for their sheep. And why would they use a rod or staff for their sheep? One of the reasons they used a rod or, or, or staff for their flock is to protect their flock, right? From a wild animal that's coming, they would use that to sort of fend off that animal so they could protect their flock. And so what does that mean for us as parents? that the rod of discipline in many ways starts with us because we have to lay out the standard first, right? We can't ask our kids to live up to something that they, they don't even understand is there. Number two, the rod of discipline is really for us to really fend off things that don't need to be in our home. And can I just ask you this question because I, I just need some help. Are there some things that we allow into our home that really don't need to be in our home? The answer to that is, is yes, right? 
And so, that, that, so that's an understanding of this rod of discipline. The other thing is it provided um, really correction. So if, if a sheep or a lamb was wandering off the path and, and down just this steep embankment, there was a crook on that staff, a shepherd's staff, so they could reach over and, and grab that sheep or lamb and pull it back onto the path for its own protection, Right? And so that's where we get this corrective behavior. Many times that it just takes some correction. As a, as a child is walking in an area of disobedience, then, then we correct them. In other words, we're showing them the right way. And the best way to do that is by living a healthy life in front of them. Because here's a great principle. The, the truths for our children, behavior, it's not so much taught it is, as it is caught. In other words, they're watching you to see how you walk this out. It's hard, it's hard for them to honor their mom when as a father you're not. You see? And then lastly, of course, the rod of discipline can be used uh, for, for punishment, right? To sort of get uh, that, that animal's uh, attention. But here's my point. I think we need to run through all those understandings of it first. We don't just start there, right? We kind of start at the end of that understanding instead of making sure they understand the standard, making sure we're protecting them from those outside uh, forces, making sure we provide some correction. And that, that, that's, the, that's the point. And I've turned into, I'm a granddad now. So I, I was like pro-spanking with my boys. I'm like super anti-spanking with my grandkids. I like really changed on that. Like, I mean, I, I had no problem spanking my boys, but I don't want to see my grandkids sp spanked. But that's just me. So anyhow, look at Proverbs 22, verse 15. Look at this passage. Folly, what is folly? Folly is foolishness. Folly is living outside of the will of God. Folly is bound up or tied up in the heart of a child. Now, what is Solomon saying? He's saying this, and this is a hard thing for some people to get, but it is, is so central to an understanding of the gospel. Folly, we are born as children, we are born with folly or foolishness or willful disobedience bound up in, in, in our heart. And so, but the rod of discipline will drive it far away. So a couple things that we need to say about this very quickly. I mean, we have to understand, and I, I've gone over this multiple times, that we are born with a sin nature. We are born into sin, willfully uh, disobedient to the Lord. And, and, and some people would say, well, I, I don't believe that. In fact, we, we've got a baby. He's, he's, he's just a good boy. And really what that means is he sleeps through the night. You hear that now? Well, people say he's such a good baby. He sleeps through the night. That's kind of a low standard that we have. But there's really more, more to that, right? And so we have to understand that, that, that we all have a problem. We have a sin nature. And so that's bound up in the heart. That's an understanding. And it is the rod of discipline. But I want you to understand that, listen, here's the thing. Something that I could do, this external punishment doesn't bring about internal change to the heart. Does that make sense? For a heart to really change, and that's what you want for your children, even for your life, is for our heart to be changed from the inside out, right? And that's something that only God can do. So that's why when we see correction as more of a teaching opportunity and discipling, then it begins to really attack the heart, and there's some change there, right? Let me say this about discipline. Failure to discipline, and we're going to push into this, failure to discipline is actually very dishonoring and deadly to your children. Like, if you don't take this seriously, and even if you're here and you're here as a college student, you look back, listen, if your parents did discipline you growing up, then that was an honoring thing that they did to you and a very helpful thing. The Lord disciplines us because he loves us, right? And so here's the thing. You honor your children by letting them carry really the full weight of the consequences, 
That's how we honor our children, by letting them work. So there's always some natural consequences that come with sin. I remember my first speeding ticket. I was 16 years old. It was right over on Highway 231. I didn't just get one. I got two. I was speeding, and I didn't have my license with me on that particular day. It was a good day. I still remember going home and with the ticket in my hand and, and, and looking at my dad, and, and, or the tickets, plural, in my hand and saying, you know, I got these today. And I remember what my dad said. He said, oh, no, that's tough. Good luck. That made me mad. I was like, what do you want me to do? He said, flip it over. It'll tell you what to do on the back. But what did I want? What did I want? Take the tickets. Pay for the. He didn't do that, right? And, And that made me mad, but you know what? He was honoring me. You know what he was really saying? I believe you're turning into a man, and a man can take take care of his responsibilities. I believe you're smart enough to figure that out. I believe you're smart enough to read that, get your money, and go pay. I remember going down to, in that day, I went to the judge's office. I actually paid him cash. It's kind of shady now that I look back on it and think about it. It's like weird. But anyways, it was 1984. It was a different day. And so I just had to figure it out. And I still remember coming back like I took care of my business. That felt good. And my dad asked me how that went. And I told him, he said, that was kind of an honoring thing. Listen, when we enable our children, we take the consequences away from them. It makes us feel good. And we think we're loving them and we're not. It's just bringing about a slow death. And in fact, it's really dishonoring to them. It's saying, I don't think you can, I don't think you can do this, right? So if you ignore dishonoring behavior, and we say, what is dishonoring behavior? Dishonesty, uh, disrespect, or disobedience? If you ignore that behavior, you reward it. Does that make sense? If you ignore it, you reward it. And what gets rewarded always gets repeated. Is that true? Right? And so that's why this is so, so important. Now, I want to turn the corner and head for home. And uh, this is really important, what I'm, what I'm about to say. In fact, I don't, I don't say stuff like this much because it seems, I don't know what it seems, arrogant. Um, you know, I, 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 I preach multiple services just about every week. I we used to have sermon notes, and we don't do them anymore because of COVID and because most of you just left them right there on the floor and nobody ever wrote them. It was super discouraging for me, to be honest. Like, wow, okay. Yeah, nobody looked at that. Uh, people are asleep or, you know, that's the look I get more than any other, which means I'm not engaged. But so Thursday night I'm home and uh, just had our Thursday night service, same message that you guys are hearing, and it's getting kind of late, and I get a text from a young dad who I know he's a cool guy. And he said... Uh, we tried it. He talked about one of their, their boy they were having some trouble with. He said, we tried it a different way tonight. And he said, it was amazing. And he said, my wife and I were just, were just were really excited and super thankful. And um, I think that's in play for you. I think that's in play for you. But here's what has to happen. You have to make sure discipline has a goal. Like most of the time when we discipline, we don't really have a goal. What's, what's your goal? What's the end game? Well, here's what I think the, the goal of discipline ought to be restoration of relationship. Like, I'm going to keep you here till you can repeat that. What's the goal of discipline? Restoration of relationship. Some of you are like, I didn't hear what he said, but he said, I'm going to stay longer, so tell me. The goal of discipline is restoration of relationship. Like, if I am dishonest to Dakota, who is a great friend, and if I lie to Dakota, I have damaged that relationship, haven't I? I mean, the relationship has been, been damaged. So here's the point. At the heart of every transgression, at the heart of every mistake, is damaged relationship. Is that true? 
At the heart of everything is just a damaged relationship. So the goal of discipline, what, the, what ought the goal of discipline be? The goal of discipline ought to be a restoration of relationship because somebody's been dishonored. Now, if there's not a goal when you discipline, it turns into just merely punishment, right? And discipline, really make, discipline done right makes a person better because it changes the heart. But punishment, if you're not careful, punishment just makes a person probably more careful, right? Because they don't want to get caught that way next, next time, right? Now, and even restrictions. Some, somebody asked me this. They said, well, what, what about, you know, grounding our restrictions, and are, are they helpful? Well, well, certainly there's a place for that. But I'll just, with one of our children, we, we took everything he had away. From, he didn't have anything else for us to take. We, it got down to just the paint on his walls. We're taking your wall paint right now. That's, you're going to have it anymore. We just, we're grounding you from that. So we didn't have anything else to take, right? So you get, you get to a day where you're like, I don't know what else to do. That doesn't, it doesn't necessarily change because it, it can be external. I'm not saying it doesn't factor in. But let, let's look at this. Let's see what discipline, discipline done right takes this. It takes a goal. And what is the goal? Relational restoration. Discipline done right takes a goal. And what is the goal? Relational restoration. Does that make sense? Because at the heart of every mistake is a damaged relationship. Number two, it takes patience. Never discipline in anger. Have you heard people say that? But I think here's, the, here's what happens. When you discipline in anger... Like, you might feel better in the moment, right? Because they embarrassed or inconvenienced you, and you feel better in the moment. But if we're not careful, we do exactly what the Scripture says. We embitter our children. So wait. Here's another thing. Especially the older your, your, your kids get, here's a tip, right? Um, when they make a mistake, here's the thing about kids. They know when they've made a mistake most of the time, right? And, they, you know, whenever the moment it's found out, you know, and they come to you and, you know, it's obvious what's happened and they ask this question, what are you going to do? This is gold. What I'm about to tell you is like, I don't know. I don't know. Mom and I are going to talk. Dad and I are going to talk. We're going to pray and we'll get back with you. That's agonizing to them, right? What they said, of course, what they want is, no, 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 now. Tell me now. No, just, just give us a moment. Because what that's really doing is you're not, you're not going to discipline in anger. You're going to wait, get a chance to hear uh, from the Lord and talk a little bit about it. Now, you, you won't do this right every time, but I'm telling you, it can be good. Here's the third thing discipline needs. It needs an apology and an opportunity. Let's start with an apology. Sorry is not an apology. Sorry is not a complete sentence, right? You see that? And when, when something happens, what do they say? Sorry. So sorry is not a complete sentence. Um, it needs a, an apology needs a pronoun, right? I'm sorry. I'm sorry because this. And, and even in, in, in marriage counseling for years, I've seen this. In, in marriage counseling, so many couples don't know how to, con how to conflict because the guy will come in, so, you know, they're, they're at it and arguing, and so we're, we're sitting there talking, and he'll say, I said sorry. I said I was sorry. She's still upset. I don't know what the deal is. Fix her. Yeah. Because he doesn't understand that it, it, an apology, I'm sorry for this. It's really what confession does spiritually. Like that's not what we say to the Lord when we confess. We don't say sorry. Confession means agreeing with God about a specific sin area in our life. And so it's an important thing. So it takes an, a, a, a discipline takes an apology and an opportunity. An opportunity for what? An opportunity, again, an opportunity that the relationship might be restored because what is the goal of discipline? Relational. Oh, we're going to have to stay. You'll miss the Super Bowl. 
They already got pregame stuff happening right now. You're missing it. The goal of discipline is relational restoration, right? You see, that, that, that's the goal. So, so as we think about the fourth thing, it gets into this opportunity for the relationship to be restored. It's going to take some creativity. Discipline done right takes some creativity. And, and, and I'm learning the older I get, that's one of, the, one of the great gifts that God has given us is the ability to be creative, Right? to have wisdom, to think about the truths of God and to apply them in our, in our life. And so let me, let me try to explain it this way. Is it okay to close with this? Let me just try to give you an example. Let's say there's a 12-year-old boy. This will never happen, but let's just say it does. 12-year-old boy, and he smarts off with his mouth and says something super dishonoring to his mom. I mean, it rarely happens. but so, And uh, dad comes home, and there's mom waiting at the door. You won't believe what your son. It's always the dad's son. Right, when you ever know that? You don't believe what your son said, right? And then she tells it, and he's back in, he's in the hall, like, telling you why, why, why. But, and so he agrees, super dishonoring. He said something super dishonoring. So now we've got a, a chance to work this out. So what's the goal? Relational restoration between him and his mom, right? So what are we going to do? We're going to wait, we're going to think. An apology is needed and an opportunity is needed. So I wonder if he went back in his room. This is hypothetical. I wonder if you just tried this. This is the creative part of that. And you, you, you know how to do it. You can do this in different age, different ways. But I wonder if you went back to his room and said, hey, buddy, I want you to get your best pair of pants on. I want to get you your best button-down shirt and your brown Sunday shoes. And we're heading to Kroger. What are we going to Kroger for? Because you're going to buy mom some flowers. With What? With your money. I don't have any money. You got three games laying right there. I'll give you $75 for them. I can go sell them right now. You got money. It's not liquid, but you got stuff, right? Be creative. Okay. And what he's really going to say is, just spank me. <laughs> right? No, 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 no. Because the goal of this is relational restoration. And so we're going to go to Kroger. And so you pull up at Kroger. He's got his khakis and his white button-down shirt. He's got a pocket full of money, his money. He walks into Kroger, and he's looking back at you like, where do I start? You'll figure it out. Fifteen minutes later, he walks out. He's got some flowers in his hand. He comes to the car, and you say, here's what I want you to, to do. I want you to come back to the house. I want you to go to mom, and I want you to apologize for what you said. And then I want you to invite her to dinner tonight. Dinner? Yeah. Ask her her favorite restaurant. It'll be Carabas, but just ask anyways. <laughs> and I want you to take mom to dinner. Take mom to dinner, and he'll just begin to melt down. And again, he's begging to be grounded at that point. I want you to take mom to dinner. You're going to take her on a date tonight. You're going to open the door for her. She's going to get in. She's going to drive to the restaurant. You're going to let her order whatever she wants to order. Appetizer, dessert. And you guys are going to talk. And then when they come around, there will be somebody who will come around and actually be a bill, and you're going to pay that. You're going to grab that, and you're going to pay for that meal. And he 
goes in with his flowers and apologizes to his mom. He invites her out on a date and she runs back to the back and puts a sweater on. That little man walks out to the car and he opens the door for his mom and she sits down and they're gone for an hour, two hours. Two and a half hours later, you see the lights pull into the driveway and he jumps out and he opens her door again. And you're trying to not act like you're listening, but with everything you have, you're listening. And they're talking, and it's good. And she'll look back on that night 20 years from now and say that was one of the greatest nights of her life as a mom. And he'll look back on that night 20 years from now and say that was one of the coolest moments, and it changed things in my relationship with mom and my relationship with others. And it taught him a ton. But listen, it's not over. There's one more step to this story. Before he goes to bed, you walk in, he's hanging that white button down up. And you say, buddy, I need to talk to you. And he's like, Dad, I already bought the flowers. I already took it. No, 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 no. I need to talk to you. You can tell him how proud you are of him. And then you can say, you know what? What happened earlier today? I want to just explain something. What happened earlier today is a part of a much greater story. Like what you said to mom, I know it was wrong. Well, first of all, it wasn't wrong, first of all, to mom. First of all, it was wrong to our Heavenly Father. So you, you sinned against him when you dishonored his little girl. And dad has done that over and over again in his life. And you know how tonight it cost you something when you had to take your money and pay for the night? I want you to think about something, buddy. You see, our willful rebellion against God, that was sin, and that cost something. That was a price that had to be paid because, you see, our sin, you know how what you said damaged the relationship between you and mom? One sin on our part destroys a relationship between us and God because of who he is and his holiness. But here's what I want to tell you, buddy, that's so amazing. What we did that destroyed the relationship, Christ came and paid the bill to restore it with his very life. He gave it so that we could be forgiven and we could be restored to the Father. And you have a chance to tell that child, this is the first time that dawned on me. The first time that dawned on me, I understood my sin. I understood how my sin has separated me from God. And I understood how Christ paid for that. And when I received that by faith, it changed everything in my life. And I so want that for you. I don't want for you just to behave. I want you to fall in love with this Christ who restores relationships. Could you get a glimpse of how that day done that way 
could be really different for forever. See, because it's the power of a story, a story of a restored relationship, and that's what we're about to do together as a family because this is another family meeting. We're going to hold a meal in our hand, and it's a meal that tells a story, a story of sacrifice that someone picked up the tab, but the cost wasn't 50 bucks at Carabas. It was the life of the sinless one who was given on behalf of the sinful one. And so as we hold these elements in our hand this afternoon, we are reminded of the power of restored relationship and the price of restored relationship. Father, thank you for this moment. Help us to not miss it. Either for the first time or for the first time in a long time, be transformed by the power of this story. In Jesus' name, amen.